0: And welcome back, everyone, to the Cold War cast. I am your host, Ryan Llewellyn. This is a podcast where we discuss the history and the pop culture of the Cold War. Many years ago, I had a friend that visited Russia and ultimately ended up moving there. And when he came back, he was telling me um, from his first visit to Russia, he was telling me about it and One of the things that he said that always stuck with me was he said that World War II was pretty much the national religion in Russia. There's monuments and references to the war everywhere. And in many cases, there's even still evidence of the war. Um, For instance, he was talking about buildings in uh, St. Petersburg, then Leningrad, that still had a had bullet holes on it and parts of the countryside where there were still destroyed buildings. I thought, I thought that was interesting just to uh, think about that. And of course, you know, Russia losing, you know, 20 some million people in the war, it's going to have a very deep impression on their psyche. But anyway, May 9th victory day is coming up very soon and May 9th of course in Russia is the commemoration of the Nazi surrender and there will be celebrations throughout Russia and really in the adjacent uh, former Soviet world even as well too but now I've done an episode on May 9th the Victory Day parade before and I think it's going to be relevant again because there's going to be a lot of eyes on this one. And I wanted to give you a little bit of a a heads up on the parade. So maybe you could watch it and kind of take part in the history and have a little bit more context for what's going on too. And uh, above all, this is a podcast about Cold War history and the May 9th Victory Day parade in Red Square is... Well, one of the best examples of military pageantry out there, but um, it it really is a throwback to the Cold War. There's a lot of uh, Soviet nostalgia, I guess, being thrown around. You know, they're not shy about uh, putting some hammers and sickles out there. So we're going to talk about the parade a little bit today. Now, if you would have asked me about two weeks ago, maybe, I would have said that I don't know if I'd make a prediction, but I, I would say that it was very likely that the war in Ukraine would have some sort of conclusion by May 9th. Just because that's such an important day for Russia. And here's the big thing. Part of the Victory Day parade in Red Square has uh, Vladimir Putin, the president of Russia, giving, giving a speech. To everybody there, and you know it's it's a short speech it's five ten minutes long um commemorating the war and there's always a a real geopolitical edge to it too. He makes reference to um yeah current current events in the world, and well this year um <laughs> they've got a lot more on their mind in past years they've made Kind of abstract references to tensions with the West or whatever. But, well, this year they have something very tangible. And, um, you know, rounds are going downrange while he's giving the speech, basically, in in the Ukraine. So uh, a lot of people, um, a a lot of the uh, the pundit class all all around the world are going to be watching to see what he says. I would say it's almost like the State of the Union address. It, It really is. And they're going to see what he has to say about the war in the Ukraine. And just to backtrack a little bit, my thoughts were going to be that they would have some sort of, um, some sort of conclusion to this conflict by this time. That way the boss can get in front of the Russian people and the world and basically make some sort of claim to victory. I don't know if we're on that trajectory right now for them because, of course, uh, this date would be politically important to the Russians. The Ukrainians are going to be very conscious of this as well, too, and they would want to, and very rightfully so, give Vladimir Putin not – make him having a hard time uh, giving a good speech for this one. The Russian government is obviously they're going to want to be able to take a victory lap at this parade. And of course, the Ukrainians are going to want uh, Vladimir Putin to be embarrassed when he gets up there to uh, give a speech and he you know has to uh, do some gymnastics. And I'm not sure if the war in Ukraine has uh, kind of hit, hit a bit of a lull in the past couple weeks or maybe here in the West we're you know more preoccupied with um, Johnny Depp's divorce trial or something like that. But either way, I anticipate in the next week or so that there is going to be a lot of uh, ball twisting on both sides. Um, the Russians trying to get the Ukrainians to say uncle and the Ukrainians, um, you know, holding on and making sure that the Russians cannot um, high-five each other and take a victory lap on May 9th. But current uh, geopolitics aside on the Victory Day parade, like I was saying, the anyone that's interested in this history, Cold War history and Soviet history, this is the day of the year. There's a lot of Cold War nostalgia Um It's just a great example of military pageantry. And honestly, I I said this last episode that I did about this. And, you know, this was maybe two years ago. And, um, you know, it's gone missing somewhere in cyberspace. But I was a little disappointed back in 2018 when. President Trump said that he wanted to have a big military parade you know kind of along the lines of this in Washington to commemorate the hundredth anniversary of um, the end of World War one on uh, on Veterans Day of um, November uh, <laughs> excuse me no uh, Veterans Day of 2018 and a lot of people squawked and you know said this was a big vanity project and and a waste of money and you know maybe it was but you know man i just appreciate this kind of stuff i don't know i just uh i think that would have been kind of cool to have something like that of our of our very own especially for such an occasion that that was so important to the trajectory of america going forward There's a a bunch of fun haters out there, my God. But um, anyway, the parade, I guess, wasn't meant to be for the United States. But, well, every year they've got a big one in Russia, and that's what we're talking about today. First off, it's pretty easy to watch, although the accessibility of RT, Russia Today, Russia's uh, state-sponsored media outlet has gotten a little bit more difficult to find, but I believe... Or wait, no, they're not on YouTube, but um, they are on uh, Facebook, too, and I I assume they'll find some way to stream it. Um, If RT doesn't get it out, somebody will get it out there just because it is such a a big event, and like I said, there's going to be a lot of eyes on this one in particular. Okay, so... It happens, of course, on May 9th at uh, 10 a.m. Moscow time, May 9th. And, um, you know, they stream it live, they'll record it to watch later. It's about an hour and a half long, all in total. Now, one thing that I think is interesting is the end of the war in the European theater um, is celebrated in Russia on May 9th. But for us, the date was May 8th. They signed um, they signed the treaty there um, in the evening. And since Moscow is a couple time zones away, by the time they signed it, it was already the very early morning hours of May 9th. And I think there is a little bit of irony to that too, that both sides, the Western allies and the Soviet Union during World War II have different dates, even though it ended at the same time. Um, you know, just thinking about... The different wars that it seems like both sides fought and different set of historical consequences and just the fact that the Western allies in the Soviet Union were just more allies of convenience. So I think there is, I don't know, some sort of cosmic irony, I guess, there that um, the, the, the dates are different. Now, the first victory parade that the Soviet unions had wasn't actually on the day that the war ended. It was some six weeks later in uh late June of nineteen forty five that they had a military parade in Red Square to um kind of commemorate the end of end of the war. I, you know technically, there was still the war with Japan, and um you know we'll just kind of forget about that for the time being, but they had a little parade there and then it was 20 years later they they had another parade to commemorate the 20th anniversary of the um the fall of Nazi Germany and it was something that they did every year with um some fanfare but uh not as much as today honestly during um 19 or from 1991 to 1995 after the fall of the Soviet Union they did not do the parade in these years, but it was actually it was resurrected, um, you know, to a to a very large extent by um, Vladimir Putin and his administration. And there is, as you can imagine, a lot of um, nationalism and uh, patriotism that's tied to this day and the celebrations. It's a a real um, civic nationalist, I guess you would say, holiday. Um, and it is an official holiday in Russia. There are special church services that happen on this day and uh, a lot of other things too. Now, it is not just celebrated in Russia. Some of the adjacent countries, um, you know, the part of the former Soviet Union, they have May 9th commemorations as well too. So Azerbaijan, Armenia, um, Kazakhstan, and uh, you know, even Ukraine. They, um, they, they celebrate this day as well, too. But see, that's actually kind of a point of contention right now before the war, too, because one of the things that irked Russia that was that Ukraine was kind of distancing itself from the Soviet past and and this narrative that's so powerful in Mother Russia itself. Um, they stopped referring to World War II as the Great Patriotic War and you know referred to it as the Second World War or whatever. Um, in a lot of parts of the Ukraine, and they've really scaled back their. Um, Commemorations of of the Soviet effort, and now when the Russian side in this war talks about denazification, you know to to an extent maybe they are talking about those Azov battalion guys that you know apparently have some sort of Nazi ties or whatever. And uh, when we hear this term denazification in the West, uh, you you know we kind of look askance at it and just kind of think, okay, you know that that's a bit of a stretch, but. One of the things that they mean by that is the what they would say is the erasing of their shared history by um you know, downplaying or um, yeah, taking it down a notch and not fully acknowledging their their common struggle, the Russian people and Ukrainian people in, in this war you know, the Russian side will talk about, um, statues of, uh, you know, like mon statues that are monuments to the, the Soviet soldier in the second world war or specific Soviet characters, um, you know, war memorials or whatever being, you know, vandalized by Ukrainians or, or whatever. Um, and you know, they, they would say that's, um, them drifting towards the the Nazi side and that's, kind of where that term denazification comes from. That's that's one of the contexts for it. But um, anyway, this parade, let's talk about what actually happens and kind of give you a rundown of um, the events just in case you just in case you want to watch and like I said I really recommend it it is very cool. All right, so it kind of kicks off with a little bit of a reception. There is a special uh, guest of honor area, and you are going to see a lot of, um, like, the defense minister, um, you know, prominent generals in the armed forces, um, high-level diplomats. And, uh, you know, sometimes you're going to see uh, a few actual veterans of the Second World War. In there as well too. And of course, those guys are going to be out and about during the day, you know, wearing uh, something resembling their old uniform, all their medals. And, uh, you know, these guys are the the heroes of the day. And, you know, even in the United States, we are getting far fewer World War II veterans, um, you know, just natural attrition is taking their toll on them. There's uh, far fewer than there used to be. Um, You know, I remember when I was a young kid, you know, it wasn't too common for someone's grandparent to be a World War II veteran. And now um, there's not a whole hell of a lot of them out there. And if you can imagine in Russia, uh, well, (laughs) it was a lot harder to become a veteran, you know, by making it through the war. And, well, they... The people that would have lived through all that lived through some of the toughest time and space in uh in modern times, and so that took a pretty big toll on them. Think about how rough, even the fall of the Soviet Union, the time after that, where you hear the um, average life spec expectancy of the Russian person, you know, being like. 45 or, or something like that, just because everyone was dying of alcoholism and suicide and all that. And, um, you know, if you lived through the, the, you know, born during the very rough times of the young, turbulent uh, Soviet regime, and then the hellish, horrific ordeal of the Second World War in the Soviet Union, and then the collapse of the Soviet Union. You make it through that, you're a pretty tough son of a bitch. All right, so there is a general that's in charge of the whole affair and the the troops are staged and ready and he inspects the troops real uh, quick. He does this in a uh, Russian convertible. He's standing at attention tension while it's driving, which looks kind of hard to do, to be honest. And... You know, he goes through, um, you know, it's just kind of a formality. Of course, he's not making sure, you know, that private, you know, Dorkov or whatever, if his shoes are tight or anything like that. And he says that, you know, the parade is ready to begin. And it starts off with the presentation of the victory banner. And this is really cool. And I know in the past episode and just up until recently, I thought this was the actual victory banner that they kept, um, you know, in some special chamber or whatever, and only brought it out for, you know, one day a year, but it's a, it's a replica of the flag that was raised over the Reichstag in Berlin. Um, you've probably seen the picture. It's a very famous picture. Um, the city of berlin is destroyed and there's a couple soviet soldiers well on top of the reichstag um holding the hammer and sickle over it and it is a, a very cool very iconic picture um of the second world war i would say it's probably i would say it's probably tied with the flag raising at iwo jima as far as it's um real recognition and how um um almost uh, breathtaking it is that you know you see this picture and you you realize it it's something um something remarkable just happened but they bring this banner out um on the it's a flag of the Soviet Union the colors are a little bit different the hammer and sickle i believe is gray on it instead of gold and it has writing on it which is the designation of the unit that um was the ones that raised the uh the banner over the reichstag and um you know you could see the the numbers on it and it's you know some 150th motorized rifle you know i I don't even know who these guys are i don't know if they're necessarily one special or anything if they just happen to be the ones that did it but it has this unit designation on it and there's an honor guard that comes out. uh, I believe it's just four guys, five guys, something like that. And they present the victory banner along with the Russian flag and uh, the the current Russian flag, the flag of the Russian Federation. And I believe that flag is in the back. And once they get that out, uh, the parade starts, I guess, in a sense. And It starts with Vladimir Putin, the the president of Russia, giving his speech. Like I said earlier, this is usually a five to 10 minute speech. Um, At this point in history, Vladimir Putin has given this speech many times. And, you know, they're all a little bit different because, like I said, they all, in a sense, reflect what's going on in the world at the time. And, um, you know, who knows, who knows what he's got to say, um, this year, but of course I'm going to be watching and a lot of other people as well, too. The speech congratulates the Russian people and, um, you know, all the, uh, military men on victory day. Um, you know, he makes some historical references and, you know, ends with, uh, you know, the, the urah or urah of the uh, Russian armed forces that you hear every, all the military men in attendance uh, respond back with. And, and it is kind of cool. It's just kind of one of those, um, I don't know, kind of hair stands up on the back of your neck kind of moments uh, if you were there watching that. Before Bad Vlad really gets going, um, you know, just to backtrack a few minutes, they do a moment of silence and. There is a master of ceremonies or, uh, you know, as, as we're watching it, it kind of seems like a narrator of what's going on. And he calls for the moment of silence. Um, you, you can hear the time marked with a chronometer um, as it's going. But it's, you know, one minute to uh, think about all the people that died in that war. And then he goes back, uh, back to his speech. So anyway, once he's done, the actual parade starts, and they've got a really big military band, um, there will be air flyovers as well, too. They always do that, um, you know, with the uh, the jet trails, with uh, their red, white, and blue, um, you know, maybe red and gold, too, I guess. I don't know. But um and then they'll have uh tanks and stuff come out uh sometimes they'll display new hardware and then they'll have different units coming out and marching and um since the parade happens all over Russia there's um you know going to be parades you know in a lot of major cities so you know most military units i assume are going to be tied up somewhere with this or you know at least have a delegation but pretty much all the units in this one are going to be from the Moscow area. So there's a lot of military academies and um, and so forth that take place in this as well too. It's not like they get um, you know the Yakutia National Guard or whatever to come out for this. It's um, you know from uh, very uh, localized places for the most part. The procession lasts for about an hour. And, um, you know, just everyone's, uh, you know, snap into attention and, um, you know, sharp and crisp. It's really well done. Um, (laughs) I remember a few years ago, there was some issue with one of their vehicles. Um, I don't know. I remember if it was a tank or something, but something malfunctioned in the middle of the parade. And that that made the news. But, um, you know, usually goes off without a hitch. All right. Now, one thing I forgot to add a little bit earlier, um, you know, usually I'm just kind of doing these podcasts off the cuff. So, you know, sometimes I bounce around a little bit is I was talking about how the parade is, is more than just a commemoration. There's always um, some sort of, uh, you know, foreign policy flexing really going on with this. And probably the best example of this I can think of was in 2014 when the Russian Federation annexed or stole or, (laughs) you know, however you want to look at it, Crimea from the Ukraine. And I believe the anniversary of that was actually just recently. So it was around this time of year. And, uh, you know, so a few months later was the – well, not a few months. uh, A few weeks later basically – was the Victory Day Parade. Now, that day, May 9th of 2014, Vladimir Putin did the one in Red Square. And, you know, of course, there was um, a a little bit of dick-wagging and uh, and flexing, I guess, over the fact that um, (laughs) they did bring... um, uh, sevastopol back into the loving embraces of mother russia or whatever and after that parade was done he got on a plane and went down to crimea and took part in their uh the uh the black sea fleets victory day parade there too which that was videotaped too and and that one was kind of cool because they had all the ships involved and and all that so that was a real um real kind of power move by by putin really um quite a big flex why a lot of the world still had their jaw dropped over this he's down there um well leading a a military parade (laughs) so um you know that there was a little bit of a swagger i guess involved in that um not sure what exactly we're going to see this year but it is worth watching if, if you're into this kind of thing. And if you're listening, I, I assume you are. Um, just the the backdrop for it is really cool. You know, it's right there by the Kremlin and Red Square. Um, I think it's St. Basil's Cathedral is there in the background. Um, you know, and they're flashing the, the cameras around. They get some good footage of it, too. It's something that they uh, they put a lot of effort into. And, um, I you know, it just... Looks really cool for those of us that are um, into this kind of thing. Now, another another thing that happens on Victory Day that you might see in the news as well too is, um, uh, the what do they call it? The Immortal Battalion? No, the Immortal Regiment. I'm sorry. It's the it is the Immortal Regiment, and these are processions, processions that happen. Well, they're right after the Victory Day parade. And really wherever former Soviet people are throughout the world. Um, there are even ones that happen in the United States in some places, like uh, you know, Washington, DC, probably New York City, Los Angeles, and so forth. Um, and uh, you know, parts of Europe where people get together and they will do a, a silent procession and they are holding pictures of relatives or you know people that are close to them that had ties to the war so you know for instance uh, Vladimir Putin you know he's taken part in these as well and his dad was in the Soviet Navy and, um, actually wounded pretty bad there in the siege of Leningrad. And, uh, you know, he'll walk through with pictures of him, but, um, you know, it'll be pictures of, um, you know, their, their grandfathers, great grandfathers that were soldiers, um, you know, and, and even people that weren't even soldiers, people that were just, that lived through it, um you know, so it'll be a picture of, you know, Babushka or or whatever. And, um, it's a very solemn thing. And, um, these parades happen, you'll see footage of those. Um, the other thing that you will see is the color scheme where it's, it's black and orange stripes. And that is the ribbon of St. George. And, um, that actually goes all the way back to Russian imperial days is as, as a military decoration too, but um, <clears throat> that is the 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 victory the ribbon, and you will see that motif uh quite a bit throughout russia and um even today um, it, it's a real sign of uh Russian patriotism to have that um, I saw a video recently on somewhere on Twitter where I think it was a russian college student put a, uh, a Z on his door you know of course the z is the um kind of become the the meme logo for uh the uh the soviet or excuse me the the russian war against ukraine and the z was done in that that ribbon and uh you know somebody freaked out on him or whatever and just another thing i'll add about victory day this year and i don't know if this is going to come to fruition but uh a couple weeks ago there was footage um from the war in ukraine where it was an old lady and i believe her husband and you know the old lady seems uh, i don't know maybe a brick or two short of her of her load and uh you know with all due respect i guess to the you know old lady And she comes out waving a Soviet flag. And there's a Ukrainian soldier there, and she believes that he's one of the Russian soldiers. And she comes out, and, you know, she says, You know, we've been waiting for this moment, and um, I've been praying for you, and I've been praying for you to come. I've been praying for uh, Vladimir Putin, and, uh, you know, just uh, very happy to see you. And, you know, the ukrainian soldier he kind of um plays along a little bit you know it's kind of like oh yeah you know glory to russia haha you know and um then he he gives her a bag of food and you know she's very grateful and then he reveals that he's really ukrainian and um You know, she gets very disappointed. Somehow, I don't think he snatched it out of her hands or anything, but there was her Soviet flag. He gets that, and, um, you know, it's dropped on the ground or whatever, and he steps on it. And, um, you know, I guess they end up taking the flag from the lady, and, um, you know, she's talking about, uh, she tells him that her parents were killed by the nazis and uh you know basically that they went through a lot under that flag so it has special meaning to her i don't know if it was a um an old one that she's kept for a very long time or a replica but i kind of gathered that it, it was one that they had for a while that um there was a sense of soviet nostalgia for her um you know she probably was an ethnic Russian. you know i i don't know but um, it, it went around the internet, you know, and um, some people on the Russian side were basically saying that they mistreated this lady. And, um, I, you know, me watching it, like, I don't think they were too heavy handed with it. You know, they're just kind of screwing with her a little bit. And, um, you know, I, I can understand from the Ukrainian perspective how they would be, um, you know, maybe not Take too lightly to seeing the, um, the communist flag being waved like that, and you know, a lady wishing the Russians would come. Um, you know, I understand the implications of that one hundred percent, both historically and the contemporary ones as well, too. Where, um, you know, that Soviet nostalgia is basically saying that, like, yes, you know, the the Russians should come and get the band back together. But, um, anyway, there are a lot of calls in. Russia for them to find this lady, which they were calling, uh, Babushka Z that, was, that, that was, her, you know, they didn't know her actual name, but they were going to find her and, uh, invite her to the Moscow victory day parade and, you know, have her have some sort of role. Um, she kind of became a little bit of a, uh, a meme, I guess, within Russia. Um, there are pictures out there that are admittedly kind of cool where, it was this picture of this frail old lady holding, uh, and this was like a spray painted mural, um, and you know memes and so forth. Where it's this lady, you know, of course she's kind of a, a frail old lady holding a um, communist or Soviet flag, and then her shadow is the um, boy. I don't, I don't even know offhand what they call it, but yeah, the statue of the woman holding the sword that they make the big statues out of um, for the hero cities in the Soviet Union. And, um, you know, if you're into this kind of history, you'd probably recognize it if you see it. I don't know why I'm drawing a blank on the name right now. But um, I don't know. That imagery is kind of cool. But anyway, they said they're going to uh, try to round up Babushka Z and uh, get her involved somehow. Um, You know, if that means she's, uh, you know, going to be, Strolling down in the parade on a vintage T thirty four or something, you know who knows. But um, you know if there's a old uh, Ukrainian Russian lady involved in the parade, uh, that's that's the story behind it. So I'm gonna leave it there. Um, no, actually, before I leave it there, I I just want to say um, and part of the reason why I brought up the story of uh, Babushka Z is. Just really so we can kind of understand the complicated history behind Russia's um, communist past and how, you know, even though there there was a lot wrong with it, a lot of bad things happened, um, a lot of things weren't great, a lot of things were very bad about the Soviet Union, but there... (laughs) Still is a little bit of nostalgia for the good old days, I guess, there. And you will really see this rear its head during this parade. Um, Like I said, the Hammers and Sickles will come out and it, it is a time for them to celebrate when they were a superpower, when they were a real force to be reckoned with in the world. And when you look at the babushka z video and you see i would you know from my you know middle class perspective here in the united states i would say the squalor that um uh, that she lives in it's definitely uh not as nice as what i see looking out my window right now around me and it, it says something you know there's a, there's a context there that the post-soviet promise didn't pan out for a lot of people in, in Russia and in, you know, the, the former Soviet world that I, I think is what a lot of people are taking, um, you know, maybe subconsciously from this. And uh, again, this parade with uh, with all the nostalgia associated with it and the current uh, current wave, I guess, of, um, uh, of patriotism, of nationalism that we are going to... That is probably organically happening in Russia, and also that the Russian government is going to uh really want to to do especially as their war in Ukraine um hasn't gone as planned. Uh I don't think I I think they thought it would go a little bit smoother, uh, you know, a little bit um more clean. I don't I don't think it's gone quite as wrong as a lot of people are saying, but um I think they're they're still off target and as they said in Red Dawn every little bit of morale is crucial right now and this is a way for the Russian government to um to to really bolster that because um all eyes of the country and the world are going to be on them for this parade and now hopefully you've got a little bit more context for um for this parade and I hope it's something you can just just enjoy as a um, just kind of a cool historical military event and even though i think i'm gonna be wrong um i i really hope that there is a conclusion to this by may 9th and um you know we we have to understand this war is not good for anyone um yeah there's a there's a lot of russians dying in this and you know like i said even though the war is probably not going exactly as planned for the russians it's um it's costing a lot for the ukrainians too they are they are losing a lot of people um their homes are being destroyed um this is going to take a lot to recover from and it's easy for us in the west to sit here and and cheer on the ukrainians to defend their homeland, and um, I've always believed that there is absolutely nothing more noble than defending your home. But at the same time, too, um, we have to acknowledge that we are the, the only price we're paying for this is, um, well, prices of you know food and oil and and everything else. I guess are going to go up, but there are people actually paying for this in blood and the sooner it gets resolved uh the better so i'm i'm hoping for um you know some sort of truce basically um you know by may 9th but um you know that's probably just hopeful thinking and uh and that's about it all right so we're going to leave it there if you want to support this show there's a couple of ways to do it um for one, uh, leave me a rating. Um, and right now on iTunes or Apple Podcast, there's actually two different feeds for this one and um, for this podcast. I've got to get rid of one. And if you go to leave a rating and there are no ratings there, don't leave it on that one. There's one where there's, you know, a couple dozen ratings or whatever. Um, leave it there. That's the one that is not going to be deleted. Um. And the other way you can support this podcast is go to RedDragonHerbs.net, And that is my business, me and my wife's business. We sell loose leaf tea. Um, We've got a lot of different things. I am recording this on Friday. And we've got some cool Mother's Day gift boxes that will be shipped out Monday. So if you're hearing this in the next couple of days and you still need a Mother's Day gift, um, check those boxes out they're really cool and uh, it's got some tea, bath salts and uh, honey we're honey we're doing this with a, a local um, uh, farmstead that that raises bees so there's like beeswax candles and um, honey in this box too. but you can see pictures they are very cool uh, very limited time thing. Um, you know if you're hearing it afterwards we've got other stuff too if you need recommendations, of course, always feel free to hit me up. Uh, you can connect with me on Instagram. Just look me up under Cold War Cast, and you can find me there. All right. So I hope to get back to doing a little bit more uh, harder Cold War history, um, things that don't really have a whole lot to do with uh, the situation in the Ukraine. But um, you know, this has been kind of fun too, and a, a good uh, good vector, I guess, for talking about some Cold War issues. So um, I'm not sure exactly what the next episode will be, but I've got a few possibilities and I will start working on it ASAP. So thanks for listening. I'll talk to you later.